You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hey, what's up? Before you listen, I have a quick request from you. While you're over here listening, go ahead on down, give us a rating and a review, especially if you're on Apple Music. Let us know how much you appreciate what we bring, the conversation, the dialogue. Tell us how it supports you. Give us that good five star. We appreciate you. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here, where you're challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So this is being recorded after the bullshit insurgency crap that happened at the Capitol. And I think that when that happened, it brought up a lot of the stark differences of what America is and isn't, even though I voted for Biden and I actually like Joe Biden. There's, I don't love everything, but I like him. And when he said, and everybody's been talking about this, you know, this is not America. Uh, it is, it is. And I think it's important to, kind of be able to actually confront and and really see what this is because you can't do anything about something if you're not even willing to acknowledge that it exists. So I think in acknowledging what America is and isn't outside of what we do and don't want it to be, that it is worthwhile to really step back and begin to examine some of the things that are a part of the democracy that we live in even when it doesn't seem very democratic. Um, one of those concepts that uh, I think there's not there's not enough dialogue around, like true dialogue versus like, I'm going to give this to you in a very, um, what's the word I want to look for? Like you just make it too like lofty and it's like, I'm, I'm smart and I'm going to tell you this. And you have to believe this. And it's like, uh, let's not do that. I want to break it down and make it a little bit simpler, a little more approachable, and let's get into it. And that's anti-capitalism. And the woman that I have with me today, when I first encountered her, I heard her speaking at a conference that I was a part of as well for Tara McMullen. And I was like, wait, wait, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like every time she would just, I was just taking notes feverishly listening to her speak. And the way that, she approaches 
things, I couldn't help but want to continue to have this conversation. And I felt like it was a conversation of bringing it here. Everybody could be a part of it. So I am very pleased to introduce you to Kate Strathman. Hello, Kate. Hey, Erica. How are you? Um, I think I said to you earlier, I was feeling existentially exhausted, but I I also have a candle burning and, you know, I'm I'm trying to... (laughs) put on a hopeful face this morning and and it's funny because like i have a candle and my apollo santo burning i'm like (laughs) and at the same time the reason that it's funny because for some people they're like why do you ask that and i feel like it's important to ask because i actually do want to know the answer sometimes people ask you and you're like you really don't want me to answer this question or it feels like i check the block and for me it is important to be able to have that moment to stop and be a human before you get into the, all right, let's do the business and be like, Hey, we're humans, you know, how are you? So I am glad to have you here, candle and all. Um, And I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about you and who you are. Yeah. Um, So in my, my work, most public, uh, self. I'm the founder and director of Wanderwell, and we are a small business consulting and bookkeeping practice with a radical lens and mission. Um, and increasingly what I call a sort of radical education wing, um, where I teach and lead um, cohorts and courses around a lot of the ideas I know we'll talk about today, around anti-capitalism and business and how does that even work. Um, And I'm also, I'm an artist and activist, I think, first and foremost. And that really grounds uh, the way that I see business as a creative practice, um, which is a lot of how I think informs my thinking of like possibility and, um, you know, how do we find different ways and sort of innovate and experiment with different ways of being and doing within the small economies of our, our own businesses and worlds. Well, I like the fact that you put it that way, because I I do think that there is a lot of truth in the sense that there's just these, you know, there's just a lot of small economies, because a lot of the work that um, Indy and I do is really about the stimulating of the economy. But of course, we're in our space and we hope that it yeah. spreads out. And it's really like, what can I do in my little cohort? And how can I let this make ripple effects out. And I'll say that I think that that can be one of those ways that anti-capitalism and business can go hand in hand. Yeah. Well, and I think it's what um, that brings to mind is I think something that's really important in all this, which is that it's really easy to think about the economy as this monolith and I think in shorthand, we talk about it a lot, especially increasingly in the last year, I've seen this of like, oh, capitalism, this and that. And um, and the reality is that there's, it's not like one monolith. There's a lot of different things happening at the same time and overlapping. And, you know, we're in our own microcosms and there are pockets of kind of anti-capitalist practice and, you know, and, and economies. And I'll talk about, I can talk about that later on, but um you know, I think it's important to to note that, that it's not like, you know, we are impacted by the larger economics and we do participate in them and we kind of have to. Like, there's not really 
I mean, you can opt out. Like, you could go, I don't know, find a cave in a mountain and uh, all of that. <laughs> but, like, but, like, also those people are usually billionaires with, like, they're building bunkers and that's what that, you know, they've already got the wealth hoarded and then they're opting out. <laughs> so, right. you know, I think it's, like, it's important to state that, uh, like, there's a lot of different layers to this and different pockets of resistance and, um, you know, and often there's, like, multiple kinds of economies operating at the same time. And I hope that's not too extract. We can kind of unpack that. But No, actually, I do want to go into kind of that particular piece. But before we go there, I would love for you to start by just kind of um, giving your definition of what an anti-capitalist business is. So I, I was thinking about this this morning and I realized that uh, I give a slightly different answer every time, and that's, which is sort of telling. No, um, but I, I think that's important because you're speaking to the fact that like, it's not any one thing. Like you said, yep, like it's not yep. really a monolith. It's not like it is this very unilateral. It fits in a box right. really simply. And of course there's all of these different um pieces of it and so to not you know you address the necessary facets at that moment for that context and conversation right. so I that's normal to me totally <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but um one of the ones that I've been thinking about a lot lately um and and I guess I'll say first like the primary point of capitalism is to create more capital uh which is important to understand like it's not needs meeting it's capital creation so, like, we have all these needs that get created often, and that's what commodification does, um, which is, you know, just to create new markets through which we meet our human needs, whatever they are. Um, and so, you know, like, capitalist businesses, generally, their, their direction and their force is about the creation of more capital, and in an, in an increasingly concentrated way. Um, so, you know, we got a lot more billionaires this year, uh, in the midst of a pandemic and economic crisis. And, you know, that wasn't because they like did a lot more hard work or sold a lot more widgets. Um, that's because the market allocated more capital to them. Like they, they increased their capital. Um, you know, and we're not, we're talking about small businesses generally today. <laughs> like we're not really talking about billionaires. I'm happy to put them aside. Um, but, but I say that because what I've been thinking a lot about is in terms of like, what can a business be and what can a business do, um, beyond individual wealth building. Mm -hmm. So if like a capitalist business, the intent is around individual wealth building, then one way that I think about, I'm starting to think more deeply about anti-capitalist businesses is as, um, you know, economic exchange mechanisms or ecosystems or containers that do something besides build individual wealth. Um, so that's like one way. And then, you know, and I think what that gets us to and what I'm really interested in is um, ultimately collective liberation. Um, you know, how do we meet our collective needs? How do we all have enough? Um, and that's a very anti-individualist concept um and it's inherently i would say an anti-capitalist concept um well you're gonna, you're gonna the, say <laughs> yeah well because the interesting thing is i think whenever i hear that concept of enough it's a subjective concept to begin with totally because enough can be 
enough to do what you choose for someone else enough can be enough to survive. Yep. Well, and, and I think, um, you know, if we're talking about like the culture of capitalism, what it creates, uh, it scrambles our discernment mechanisms about enough. Uh, mm. Because if we had enough, we'd stop buying shit. Right. And then capitalism couldn't create more capital. So it would like jam up the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's like, it's like one of the skills and I, you know, and I know it's one of those things like deep process things where I'm like, I don't know what there there is. Right. But I know that this is one of the things we need to kind of like collectively understand and unpack and do some practice around. Um, like it's one of the sort of skills and kind of deeper knowings and understandings we need to sort of figure out um, in terms of like getting out of this like individual wealth building force. So I want to, I'm going to push back on you just a little bit because I want to know your thoughts on it. We talk a lot about um, here about that concept of kind of like kind of a, a redistribution of wealth type of part. And so I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are around the fact of, you know, yes, from an anti-capitalist standpoint, it's not about you building your wealth. And then at the same time, because there's such a huge disparity and lack when it comes to even the basic wealth of uh, a lot of underserved communities, particularly, um, people of color, black people, um, and, you know, not just black people, but as a whole, you know, the wealth building is concentrated in white men. And so when you look at trying to shift that, is it a conflict to try to look at it from an anti-capitalist lens that is saying, you know, I'm not trying to build my personal wealth. And then also acknowledging the fact that you have people that have not had that freedom to build wealth. And how do they build it to be able to get to a point of like, well, I don't have to worry about building wealth at this point yeah. because I am, I am more sustainable so I can look at this differently. How does that conflict come up and how do you resolve that? I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I think, you know, I, there's a couple of pieces that I think about with that one and this comes up in like my cooperative work a lot and, and, and certainly in like activists and artists spaces. Um, and like in a lot of the cooperative work, particularly I'm doing in Philadelphia is in black and brown communities. And there's often a like suspicion around money, mm-hmm. like that having money would be a moral failure or is bad or something like that. And that's not really what you're talking about here, but I think, um, but I, but I say that as a way to circle back to like, there are certainly anti-capitalists that are like, get rid of money. It's bad. <laughs> right. Those things. And and that's not really my agenda or viewpoint. Like I'm more, uh, like some people are going to have to have less. Mm-hmm. And I'm not opposed. Like, I, don't, I think it's maybe the difference is around um, individual livelihoods versus wealth building. Mm-hmm. Like we all got to make a living there's large swaths of folks that are not making an adequate living in our country because this economic system is built on inequality and privatization and all these things. Um, And I don't think like, 
what uh, myself and, you know, other folks that think like me are saying is like, well, we should all be poor or we should all sort of like structurally make sure, you know, some people are still going to have enough and not some people won't or any of those things. Like, I think it's really about, um, like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's a redistribution lens of one of the like inherent structural problems is like all these white men have billions mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and that's not because of their hard work and, because they're better at money or whatever. Um, that's because of white supremacy right. and how it interacts with capitalism. Um, I think I like the thing I do push back on, and I'm not the right person to get into this like dialogue. <laughs> like I have friends and colleagues that love to talk about this, is sort of the tension between black capitalism and some of these ideas about anti-capitalism and cooperation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there's can be real ad- attention there, which is like, um, you know, are, are you still trying to just climb the ladder of that ultimately like the white men billionaires are at the top of, right? or is there a different project going on that's like about everybody being lifted up? Well, and I think that just goes back to that overarching concept of, what what is the space that you're operating in is this a space that is outside of you know this white supremacist structure that kind of says this, this is what happens this is how you do it this is what you strive for this is the goal this is you know how you become exceptional this is how you are acceptable you know i think if what you're doing is still kind of operating within that. And this is, and honestly, I I don't even think it's about a fault. I think it's just about acknowledging it because this is the basis of the system that we're given. This is the basis of the world that we kind of operate in. And to be able to acknowledge that the standards that you're set still may be coming through that lens and being able to kind of look and say, okay, I see this. And and in the beginning, letting that be enough for a second, because yeah. I, I I am not some person that's like, oh, the building is burning. Let's run in it. It's like, wait, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Before you go and and try to MacGyver this, like let's wait and acknowledge what's happening and actually begin to dismantle it from a conscious and aware place of you know, why is this coming up? Is this mine? Is this what's given to me? Do I still believe in this? Do I not? Like really being able to, because I feel like the minute you just go in and you just demolish something to say that you demolished it, it's like, you know, pulling a flower up out of the ground. You didn't, you didn't do any, a weed rather. Let's go with the weed. You didn't kill the roots. You know what I mean? People are like, I'm trying to get my grass to grow. And these weeds keep coming back because the roots are still there. Yeah. So well, I, I, I think that's such a good point because it like one of the other things I think about and have been teaching frequently is like a lot of a lot of the practice I'm a, like intentionally calling it a practice of anti-capitalist business development. Um, it's just about understanding the structures and your position in them and like what's actually happening. And like right. really kind of trying to see the operating system behind any decisions you're making. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the like the status quo will continue churning along 
And there's so much that we do. And I, I think it's particularly true in sort of, you know, like the small business communities we're in, where we're all kind of like trying to figure it out all the time. Like we're all learning. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody teaches a lot of this shit in school. We're sort of like, have nope. become entrepreneurs and are like trying to figure it out. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, this is, there's increasingly pockets where this isn't true, but, you know, I remember like six years ago, uh, like it was all status quo. Like every book I picked up was some like white dude that was basically talking about maximizing my wealth as an owner. And that mm-hmm. was like a lot of the messages, a lot of the tools, a lot of the marketing practices, like all that shit. Right. Um, you know, it's like, well, where does that come from? <laughs> right. And so, I, you know, I think like we're all in it and I think this, the sort of positions are contradictory. Sometimes they're in contention. Um, there's no, like, as you say, there's no perfect allyship in this, but, um, but I think one of the first steps is just really trying to understand, like, what are the economics that I'm sitting in? Where am I positioned in this? I agree. And so with that, um, with Wonderwell and even with just kind of the allyship and activism work that you do, um, you know, where you are in Philly, what are some of the examples that you've seen of what anti-capitalism meets business? Like what, what are some of those? What can that be? Yeah. Uh, well, the first one, which I mentioned already, is the cooperative uh, economy and movement. Mm-hmm. And that's nationwide, and it's growing, and um, it's awesome. And that's about structures where, uh, you know, the folks that benefit from the either as workers or as members of a business uh, get the rewards. So we'll, we look at like worker-owned cooperatives, where the workers in a business are the owners, and they ultimately are the ones that are distributed profit. It's not like one person and some workers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. Um, and Philly has a really rich, wonderful community of cooperatives and cooperative development. And my colleagues at the Philadelphia Cooperative Alliance are sort of on the forefront of that. Um, and I work together with them a lot. Um, and they're really, you know, they're rooting uh, their work explicitly in sort of a history of black cooperation and economic resistance and uh, like explicitly using that as a way to wealth build um, collectively, like to build community wealth in uh, communities that have structurally been oppressed and, you know, excluded from uh, the economy. Um, So that's one. Uh, There's a great book, uh, called Collective Courage by Jessica Gordon Nemhard, uh, which is a history of uh, African-American cooperative development. Uh, that's really great. Um, and just sort of traces like, this shit's not new. Uh, it wasn't created by white hippies. Right. Um, <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, what white hippies are part of it, but like, that's also, they didn't create this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the the thing that I think stands out to me so much about it is that I think sometimes it can be way too easy to opt out by hearing this and saying, oh, this is a completely different structure. I don't know how to have this for, for my business or a business that I would want to be a part of. And so I'm just going to opt out. And 
I want to just kind of talk about the fact that it's not all or nothing. Right. Well, and I think, and, um, you know, and this is certainly like Wanderwell's not a co-op, for instance. Um, but there's a lot of operating systems that we use that come from the co-op community that I've learned from uh, co-op movements. And, you know, and like one of the projects I'm working on right now, which I think in 2021, I will come out as saying that uh, anybody that has employees needs to do this. Uh, but I'm, I'm working on putting together a profit sharing uh, scheme like with the team. And that's, that's, you know, that's sort of like the individually or partner, you know, the LLC version of, I'm not going full on worker ownership, but I also am going to redistribute the profits to my workers, um, the workers in the company. And so that's like, you know, you don't have to go all the way in because that's actually, it's, it's a long complex path and it's not, you know, and I'm not, not everybody needs to be a worker co-op. It's not the right fit for everything. Um, and it's not, it's definitely not an overnight process. Um, but, you know, private sharing is pretty easy to set up. And so with what you just said, like, it's not for everyone. What are some of the things that you would suggest that like, yes, these are great ideas, but they're not for everyone. Don't hear, cause I feel like sometimes mm. people will hear it and they're like, oh, I'm going to go do that. And it's like, you gonna break your whole damn business doing that. Wait, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> well, you know, I think there's one that uh, I've been like, I've been pushing back on my own advice a lot, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is which is around accessibility practices and financial accessibility. Okay. Um, like sliding scale models or like awards and scholarships and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I teach, you know, like, I have a workshop, I would probably do it next month, um, around these practices and like how to implement them and what they are. But I also have been seeing because a lot of people have been, I think, in like the woke wave of uh, the last nine months and just a lot of stuff. People are like, oh, yeah, I got a sliding scale now. And uh, some of that makes a lot of sense and some of it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. And um, somebody in the Equitable Business Incubator course, which I teach in the fall, brought this example up of uh, somebody that they're like a fairly well-known, I think they're like a writer and writing publishing kind of business. And they started, they offered like, they have a newsletter that's well-read and gets a lot of traction. And they, they introduced a sort of pay it forward thing within the ecosystem, like within just this newsletter. Mm -hmm. And the pitch was, if you start paying for this, it'll allow me to keep offering it for free for others. This feels like the whole, what is it? Um, what's that little thing online that everybody goes to to look something up? Oh, gosh. Google? I want to say it was like Wikipedia or something. It's the one where in, now every time I go on it, it's like, it's up to you to, to support oh, so us. I would actually, so Wikipedia is different. And it's one of the... Um, like Wikipedia is like gift, like a gift economy because the whole thing is open source and distributed and it's only run on gifts. Like there's no business model back there. Okay. 
right? Well, so, and, and so I'm going to ask you to come back then to begin to talk about what some of those different models are, because all I know is I go on it now and I'm like, oh my gosh. You're like, pastor did, I? yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> but, oh, but back to this other guy with the newsletter though, just to close that thought, um, you know, he's got a whole business behind this newsletter. So I'm, you know, I don't like object to the sort of using your business to redistribute among your community. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that can make a lot of sense in a lot of spaces. Um, but, you know, like, businesses generate more income than individuals by design, or they should. Um, and, I, like, there is something that I've seen a lot where folks are sort of presenting these, um, you know, like, pay it forward or redistribution mechanisms, but they're kind of, like, putting it on the shoulders of their customers or their clients. When like really like he's just trying to make money off of his newsletter, right? And there's not I don't know that like all of a sudden introducing this uh, like model where some people start to pay and some people don't like there's just something some slightly dishonest to me about what's actually happening there, right? Um, right. And that like there's those kinds of things where it's like, is this really what's happening, or are you just trying to say this? <laughs> right. 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 Um, so, you know, that's one. And there are a lot of folks there. I'm like, no, you don't need to lower your prices or it really doesn't make sense for you to offer like a cheap version of this just to make it accessible. Mm -hmm. It's like, there might be another way for you to be part of movement building or be part of, you know, shifting culture within whatever ecosystem or kind of like industry you're in. Well, the other thing too, as a random aside that I don't want to fully derail with here. It's just the fact that whenever I hear people talking about um, kind of a redistribution or a shifting of equity and things, and they immediately go to lowering the price. And I'm like, so you just assume that everybody has the money and just doesn't want to give it to you because of some imaginary reason, or you just assume that they're all poor. Right. Right. Both of which are very flawed. And I'm like, ah, no. Yeah. Well, and I think I'm sure you've seen this too. And I've had conversations like this where it's like, well-meaning white lady wants to increase diversity in their business. And so they create a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, like, there's just a lot of problems with that. <laughs> as like a, right. a sort of like the first line. I mean, one in the like, by thought people are not universally poor or like that, like, like that that's not the reason people aren't coming to your <laughs> business right. necessarily. Right. Um, and there's some like weird power shit happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, and I think that's back to, I guess, the point of like understanding, like the need to really understand and interrogate social location. Yes. In terms of approaching uh, like changes in business that are going to impact equity or, um, you know, like, shift power around which is ultimately I think what we're talking about agreed agreed so because I know that we're beginning to wind down I do want to make sure that we don't leave that part of like what are some of these differences because again Wikipedia is one that I don't know what the difference is all I knew that was that I felt like oh boy there's a lot of hands out right now and so I think what can happen sometimes is we'll see things like that or even what you mentioned with you know this this guy in the newsletter and 
I think that maybe these things could land differently if there was clarity on like what are they doing? Like what's this yeah. what's this particular structure and then being able to see where yeah. those the the problems or challenges are versus just like this sucks or this feels icky and I don't know yeah. why. Well, it's I think uh like transparency. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, and it, oh, it's a good point because it's like like how many businesses and like folks do you see and you like, you know, and I, I feel like there's been a lot of conversations about online businesses and the sort of like mystery of what's actually happening behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I feel like that's one of the, like, that's one of the major issues. It's like, who is this really benefiting? Right. How would we know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like what's the audit trail? Um right. And maybe can I give one example of another sort of like mm-hmm. possi- something that's like working in an explicitly anti-capitalist kind of sure. mode that I think addresses some of this, like where's the money go? Um, there's this been this project that came that sort of arose out of the initial shutdown last spring in Philly called Proyecto Tamal. And I've been talking about this a lot because I think it just is like a really good space of possibility um to understand but a woman who's a chef in philly uh she was furloughed sort of immediately in the community um and she started right away like kind of within a week um this project uh that's that's about mutual aid and getting income to the Latino community in Philadelphia and the restaurant workers that are generally hidden um, in restaurants and often blocked from, you know, government aid or unemployment or, you know, a lot of the financial support mechanisms that are both insufficient, but all over the place in the past year Mm -hmm. um, because of their, you know, documentation status or just from not having access structurally. Um, and so every week she's working with a different chef um, or cook and devising like mostly tamale recipes. Um, and then there, it's basically a pop-up sale. So sell all the tamales, uh, folks go pick them up, and then all of the proceeds go directly to whoever the, the cook, partner cook was. And she's like actually posted on Instagram and talked about sort of how she's documenting the flow of cash and sort of like showing her receipts and like exactly what's happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And part of that is like to build trust with the folks that she's working with. Um, Like it's been about $1,500 a week is what she said that's going directly to um, whoever the cook she's partnering with. And it's a way to get direct aid and like cash to folks that uh, have largely lost their jobs uh, because the restaurant industry is shut down and are also structurally uh, don't have a lot of support otherwise. Um, and it's just been a really interesting, like it, like it's building more relationships. Like she's talks about where the recipes come from and when they're comfortable, like who the folks are in either general or specific terms every week. So there's a story behind it. Um, well, when- what you're mentioning is huge for a number of ways. One, one of the main things that I hear a lack of when it comes to, um, you know, restaurants or just kind of 
the food and reverage, uh, food and restaurant and just the creation of what we see and eat and crave type of thing, a lot of these recipes and the cultural pieces are stolen from these cultures. And so one, there's this representation and reverence there. So I feel like that in itself is a big piece. And then it's, um, it is building that trust. And I think that's so important because so many people, there is this feeling of like, I, I don't know that I want um, everyone in my books kind of thing. Right. But when it comes to something like this, there has to be a certain amount of transparency for people to have a reason to trust you. And that's that's being done there. And I always kind of would use this analogy of like a debit card versus a credit card. Mm-hmm. You know, a debit card, mm-hmm. you have to put money on it. Like you have to put something in. Yep. To get something out the credit card, it's just given freely and it's assumed that you're good for this. Oh, I like and, that. <laughs> and, and there's this point where people have to understand, like, look, you started off with a debit card or this secured credit card. You're going to have to put something on yeah, it to get right. something off of it. And so, so often people, and I, again, white supremacist structure is like just assuming, why don't you trust me? And it's like, why should I not distrust mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. And, and so coming at it from a place of like, I, you don't have a reason to trust me. And I understand that because there's people that I don't have a reason to trust. And so therefore I'm going to automatically give you reasons to see and, and to understand clearly what's happening and why in time there is proof that you can trust when you are ready. Yep. So I think, well, first of all, all of the things that we talked about, I'll make sure that it's linked in the show notes so people can go ahead. Oh yeah, I can send you those. Oh yeah, we're going to be checking (laughs) all that out. It's going to be in there. And so I want to make sure if there are any, well, when we're all done, all done, I want you to make sure you tell people where to find you. But if there are any things that you feel like you would want to tell people to go check out or to think about, like kind of what is your, you know, consider this or be in action with this, what would you want to pass on to them? Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think the, I think the sort of like, and this is in the spirit of like, where do I even begin? Mm-hmm. Um, which is where a lot of us get stuck. <laughs> Cause you know, it's like, a lot of us, especially in the chaos of last year, like we're just trying to keep our damn businesses going. Yeah. Um, and I'm so here for that. And then I also think uh, what I'd offer just in terms of movement building is that, you know, we all have different roles um, and actions to take depending on our talents and our interests and our social location. And also just like what are our businesses set up to do or not do? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the first thing I'll say is like there's no like seven point plan to that equitable lies your business <laughs> right worksheet <laughs> um but I, the questions that i often offer are you know where can your business best be in service to the collective what mm-hmm. ecosystem are you part of what do you have what do you need and just start start there like you know locate yourself um and that and then you know small small actions build I think is the other thing I'll say um so 
again, I think the the workshop that we met at before, like I have a whole long list of like different actions and tactics and ways. And if you did all of those, you would break your fucking business real quick. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like what what small, small, consistent acts of repair or redistribution or care or, you know, and even care for yourself, like rest, uh, vacations, uh, not being caught in like overproductive cycles. Uh, those are also anti-capitalist ways of being for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so where can people find you? Yeah. Um, the best way to be in conversation with me, which is probably the easiest thing, is uh, I'm I'm erratic on social media because I don't really like being there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do have a email newsletter that I write about these sorts of ideas, um, and that's at wanderwellconsulting.com. Um, and I'm also happy to speak to folks about that. You can um, contact me via various mechanisms on that website too. Um, and my favorite thing is to connect people to things to read and resources and other folks thinking about this stuff. So um, I'm definitely happy to be a resource uh, for anyone that's like, ooh, what about this idea? I highly suggest reaching out to Kate because her brain is a beautiful place that I am thoroughly enjoying exploring. <laughs> <laughs> so for everything that you do, everything that you've shared today, your time, your knowledge, your energy, and just for being here and being open. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Erica. I'm so glad Kate could come on and have this conversation with us and really be able to talk about capitalism and just kind of dig into some of the ways, just some of the ways, because there's so many, of how it is a part of a white supremacist structure that it ultimately will have to look very, very different if it can exist at all for the types of things that we're going towards. However, starting today, just seeing how we can do some things differently and have that awareness, that's a huge part. And the beauty is, is we provide support for you to be able to navigate things like that inside of the community, because there's no way that you can just kind of jump in and say, I am now going to make my business anti-capitalist, or I'm going to completely shift the way that I do everything. And I want to become a co-op insert here what you want to do. You're not going to be able to do that and just do it by yourself without support, without knowing that you can be emotionally whole, be able to get access to the types of people that maybe know some of the things that you're not sure of yet, and just being able to really make the impact that you're seeking. And so in order to get that, one of the places that that can happen is by coming on over to Pause Wanna Play the Community. If you are ready to join, you want to be a part of a space that you can support others, receive support, and be a part of the change that you want to see, come on over today to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. That way you can go ahead and learn more about us and join today. As always, you know that I love being here, showing up, having these real conversations, normalizing the challenging things like capitalism and making them a part of your everyday exchanges so we can talk about anti-capitalism. This is how we remove stigma, create real change and connection. Let's get more people dropping the veil, challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So until next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. (laughs) 
Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?